Thank you, and welcome to Unity's third quarter 2022 earnings call. After the close of the market today, we issued our earnings press release and earnings presentation. These materials are available on our investor website at investors.unity.com. Today, I'm joined by John Riccatello, our CEO, President and Chairman, and by Luis Bezozo, our CFO. Now, before we begin, I want to note that today's discussion contains forward-looking statements, including statements about goals, business outlook, industry trends, market opportunities, expectations for future financial performance, and similar items, all of which are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. You can find more information about these risks and uncertainties in the risk factors section of our filings at sec.gov. Actual results may vary, and we take no obligation to revise or update any forward-looking statements. As in prior quarters, we are providing both GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures. Unless otherwise noted, we will be speaking to non-GAAP financial measures when describing our results. The earnings presentation and press release are available on Unity Investor Relations tab as well as sec.gov, and they include full GAAP and non-GAAP reconciliations. And in the fourth quarter, we plan to present at investor conferences with BTIG, Credit Suisse, and Barclays. Full details are also available on our website. With that, I will turn the call over to John. Thank you, Richard. I want to start the call welcoming everyone at Iron Source Community. The merger closed on Monday, as expected. We will report consolidated results starting in the fourth quarter of 2022. Together, Unity and Iron Source will write the next chapter of Unity's journey as we capture the large real-time 3D opportunity in front of us. In fact, we feel more positive about the merger now than we did when we announced the deal on July 13th. Today, only a fraction of creators succeed in the creator economy. We are passionate about changing this reality because we believe the world is a better place with more creators in it. By combining forces, we believe Unity and Iron Force will transform the industry and increase creator success by replacing luck with science. We expect to achieve this through an end-to-end platform that enables creators to build better games and better user acquisition and everything in between by solving our customers' toughest problems. And as a result, we expect to be a highly profitable company operating with positive cash flow. Moving on to the financial performance of the third quarter. Usually delivered a good quarter with revenue and non-GAAP operating income in line with guidance. Create posted a strong quarter and our internal performance challenges and operate are behind us. Total revenue for the third quarter was $323 million, up 13% year-over-year. Create delivered $129 million in revenue this quarter, an increase of 54% year-over-year. Operate delivered $172 million, down 7% year-on-year, and up 8% as compared to the previous quarter. Strategic partnership revenue of $23 million this quarter is up 28% year-over-year. Non-GAAP loss from operations of a negative $37 million came in at the better end of the guidance range as we continue to make progress with our cost structure on our way towards break-even by the end of the year. Now let's dive into CREATE. Q3 was another strong quarter for CREATE solutions. We continue to have strong customer pull in our core Unity engine and our newer segments of digital twins and artistry. We are enabling our customers to create extraordinary real-time 3D experiences and games and across industries, which we believe will accelerate our growth. Innovation is the foundation of everything we do with Unity. A great example of this is our data-oriented technology stack, or for short, DOTS. DOTS allows creators to get more performance and more scene density on any device they target by optimizing real-time 3D experiences in ways that take better advantage modern chip architecture. This quarter, we released our Entities 1.0 experimental release. This release includes critical functionality to allow creators achieve native code performance with the ease of C-sharp development, support massive data streaming through all Unity rendering pipelines with significant improvements in rendering performance with our updated occlusion culling system. It's an encouraging thing to see compelling examples of creators using these tools to deliver spectacular games of all types, from open world MMOs to strategy to racing. Some recent games that use DOTS include The Rising by Stunlock Studios, Zenith, The Last City by Raman VR, Exion by Casado Games, and Detonation Racing by Electric Square. 
Another good example of the end-to-end -end focus on enabling creators to build, launch, and scale terrific games is our work with Marvel Snap, developed by Second Dinner. Second Dinner developed their game using Unity and are also using a Unity game services customer. We love the success they're seeing their new launch, currently number one on iOS and Android app stores in their category. As Aaron Brunstetter said, the Senior Director of Software Engineering at Second Dinner, Unity is a very close relationship for us. It feels like we're one team with a shared purpose, taking on challenges together. That's thanks to everyone here who has joined us on this journey, which, in all reality, is only just getting started. We couldn't agree more. Outside of games, we're seeing similar results. This quarter has continued our strong momentum and business wins. A few examples. Joe Brody Douglas just launched their Connect Configurator. This enables them to bring forward insights and better decision-making with their clients earlier in the construction process, eliminating delays, material waste, and rework. The Orlando Economic Partnership is working on the initial phase of the world's first immersive 3D regional digital twin. This project combines 80 different existing data sources over an 800-square-mile region to provide an immersive 3D experience and provides companies looking to expand their businesses to the Orlando region with a much more effective and engaging way to understand the region, infrastructure, and demographics. I also want to talk about our progress with Parsec and SyncSketch, which together make up our Create Interware business. We continue to see very strong demand as companies around the world reconfigure and make permanent investments to support creators collaborating and creating in hybrid work scenarios. The combined ARR of the businesses in Create Interware grew north of 100% year over year product innovations that continue to help scale our product-led growth and accelerate our enterprise sales. In fact, in the third quarter, we closed our largest Parsec enterprise deal to date, which was over $1 million in ARR. In Create Anywhere, we now have 25 customers contributing over $100,000 in annual recurring revenue. ThinkSketch has become the go-to collaboration tool for creators in the media and entertainment industry. Recently, Raised by Wolves, an HBO Max show from executive producer Ridley Scott, who has a very high bar for visual quality in their futuristic sci-fi world, relies on SyncSketch to collaborate on nearly 3,000 complex visual effects shots with a geographically distributed team. The Raised by Wolves team was able to work with executives, vendors, and the production team for reviewing sessions throughout pre- and post-production. Putting all this collaboration online made it easy to meet deadlines and deliver a world-class production. Last quarter, we announced and launched a significant pricing and packaging change within our Unity Pro, Unity Enterprise, and Unity Industrial Collection offerings. We raised the price between 13 and 25% across these offerings, the first significant price change in three years. More importantly, we aligned these offerings to better fit the needs of sub-segments and creators. This means adding functionality, like Mars, our XR authoring environment, and Havoc, a high-performance physics engine often used in the creation of advanced games, as well as optimizing support and customer success for Unity Pro, Unity Industrial Collection, and Unity Enterprise offerings. Unity Enterprise customers will also receive read-only source code to enable more rapid debugging and optimization, and an extra year of long-term support for enhanced stability, both highly demanded by these customers. These are foundational changes that will continue to build to improve our take significantly by adding value our customers are happy to pay for. We also continue our shift towards the cloud, enabling radical revenue. This quarter, we released a private alpha of our cloud-based digital twin solution. This platform is designed to enable the end-to-end -end creation and use of real-time interactive and 3D digital twins with capabilities across any industry all powered by cloud services. The platform is in private purview internally and would select the customers in information technology, energy, and construction. We'll have more details on this platform as we move beyond our alpha stage. Across artistries, digital twins, and games, we are encouraged in the momentum we see, the customer demand, and the large market opportunity across short, medium, and long term to create. Moving on to operate. Again, I want to welcome Team Iron Source to Unity. From here, we're merging Iron Source and Unity, and the combined teams will come together under Tomer's leadership. We will refer to this larger combined businesses as growth solutions. Ingrid and her team will form a key part of the new team, as will the founders and teams at Iron Source. 
With that, I will now speak to Unity Operating Q3. Operating delivered sequential progress in the third quarter with 8% quarter-on-quarter growth. This quarter, we increased competitiveness in our core product, and as a result, we are growing our share of wallet with several of our largest customers. With increased trust comes increased spend on our platform. We continue to improve our models and have a healthy pipeline of ongoing initiatives. We also saw an increase in new publishers partnering to integrate advertising placements with Unity. Looking at 2022 as a whole, there's no doubt that the ad side of Unity operate has experienced a challenging year. Between 2019 and 2021, the team navigated essentially flawlessly through complexities that have tripped up many others, and they grew revenues at a 55% category. We undoubtedly benefited from COVID stay-at-home mandates, but in 2022, we experienced the operational challenges we have well described in prior calls. These problems have been addressed for now in a rearview mirror. Our teams have rallied and executed well to begin the process of regaining market share and position. Moving on to Unity Game Services, or UGS, we are pleased with the uptake for UGS since going general availability this summer. UGS unifies in a single suite more than a dozen analytics tools, cloud orchestration, and embedded voice and multiplayer functionality. UGS is an example of how we address acute needs, reduce complexity for our customers. We price these services on a consumption basis, so studios only play for what they use, and we scale as they succeed. UGS also unlocks added synergy in our model. Create, operate, and UGS working together solve more of our customers' key challenges. A great example is how developers at Second Dinner use our editor to build models now. Our editor seamlessly connects to our UGS services, which made it a simple decision for Second, for second Dinner to self-provision our cloud content delivery on cloud-built modules that are part of UGS. The result was a blockbuster game is brilliant design combined with exceptional user experience delivered by UGS. This is our mission for every creator. In September, we introduced Multiply and Matchmaker Self-Serve. The mobile game market is evolving and will evolve to player versus player, much in the way that the market for console games and PC games have evolved. Multiplayer games have proven to realize much greater player engagement. Players enjoy them more. And with more engagement comes more opportunity for revenue. But until now, building multiplayer functionality for mobile games was just too complex. In the launch of these two self-serve products, we solved this difficult networking challenge and made the technology easy to provision and manage at scale for developers and studios of all sizes. With that, I'll step back and look at the game's ad market overall. The current softness in the ad market weighs on my mind. I want to address this with you to put future performance and plans into context. One key question, what has happened in the games ads market overall in recent years in light of Apple's changes in privacy programs, which began in Q2 2021? While we did see some change in spend between iOS and Android, the overall ad market had an incredible year in 2021, partly fueled by higher player engagement due to players being at home during COVID. Looking at 2022, Q1 2022 was strong for in-game ad sector, with year-on-year growth in the teams. We estimate overall in-game ad growth was up approximately 10% year-on-year in Q2 and slowed to low single digits in Q3. We currently expect the sector will be flat year-on-year in Q4. In terms of player engagement, as the first half of 2022 unfolded, we began to see some softness in overall player engagement versus the elevated COVID levels of 2020 and 2021. But it's important to note that engagement was up cumulatively a full three years worth versus pre-COVID. And when we look at daily active users, or DAUs, we're actually seeing an increase in Q3 this year versus Q3 of last year. Despite market conditions, users continue downloading and playing games, proving the sticking power of this entertainment segment. Starting in late Q3, is that CPMs have declined on both mobile operating systems. The timing here is clear. If declines take place as the world's banks increased interest rates and the specter of recession was everywhere in the press, not earlier when privacy changes took place. When we talk with our advertisers, the sense we get is clearly one of caution and reticence to commit to the aggressive campaign spend that would crowd out competition at the bid and elevate CPMs. 
In this context, we remain confident. The market for ads is experiencing recession sentiment. And while we don't know when it will end, strong consumer engagement will ultimately bring back growth to this dynamic ads market. With IronSource, we become the leading end-to-end platform in the market, supporting the developers throughout the entire development cycle, from opening a project in Unity Editor all the way through making a successful business and supported by our data science. As such, we are positioned to lead the market and be the main beneficiaries of the market recovery. While market conditions are challenging, we have a unique opportunity to gain market share and invest in positioning ourselves to grow rapidly once macro conditions improve. Our end-to-end platform will be a critical enabler in helping creators thrive, even in a challenging market. By enabling more grain creators to, to build successful businesses, ultimately, we'll be growing the market overall. Level Play becomes Unity's mediation offering, delivering unparalleled reach to creators to help tap into a combined global network of players of more than 3 billion monthly active users. Unity Level Play will have plug-in integration to the Unity Editor and deliver superior performance to the Unity Ads and IronSource Ads networks, while SuperSide will add critical publishing capabilities to our offering, helping even more developers successfully launch and scale their games. We believe the new Unity World platform can and will materially outperform the industry, gaining share through our ability to drive success for our customers. Before turning the call over to Luis, I want to reinforce a few points that we've made before. First, Unity is well positioned to capture what we believe is a very large opportunity as the world moves from linear 2D to real-time 3D. We have a strong position in games and are making strong progress across industries. Second, we believe that Unity with IronSource provides a unique end-to-end platform that solves more of our customers' toughest challenges, enabling us to accelerate our revenue growth, making Unity cash flow positive, and adding new capabilities and amazing leaders. We believe the new Unity growth platform can and will materially outperform the industry, gaining share due to our ability to drive success for our customers. Third, advertising is an integral part of the game's business model. Gamers are highly engaged, and only a small minority pay directly for the games they play. Advertising and in-app purchases are the ways creators monetize their games, and most players welcome ads as a way to discover new games to play. And while we are in an advertiser sentiment recession, we believe that the ads market will remain resilient, even with last year's changes to privacy. We expect Unity to sustainably grow at a 30% growth rate. As we have said in the past, this will not be the case every single year, but is the compounded growth rate that we expect to deliver. We will guide 2023 on our year-end earnings call when we have a better view on the economy and, in particular, the in-game ad spend trends. At that point, we have a much better handle on advertiser sentiment. We have clear plans for Create to continue to deliver strong growth and for growth to outpace any ad market we experience. Finally, Word about profitability and cash flow. Luis will drive into this in more detail, but in the fourth quarter, we will be positive. This has always been important to us. It's even more important in challenging times. This strong financial position is further testament to our ability to capitalize on the opportunity ahead of us. With that, let me turn the call over to Luis. Thank you, John. The third quarter came in line with guidance for revenue and non-gap operating income. Create continues to perform strongly, and our operate challenges from the beginning of the year are behind us. In the third quarter of 2022, we delivered revenue of $323 million, of 13% year-over-year, and in the middle of our guidance range. Create continues to execute well with revenue of $129 million, of 54% from a year ago. Despite the challenging economic environment, operate delivered $172 million in revenue of 8% quarter-on-quarter and 7% below a year ago. Strategic Partnerships and Other delivered $23 million in revenue of 28% from a year earlier. At the end of the third quarter, we had 1,075 customers with trailing 12-month revenue above $100,000. This compares to 973 customers at the end of the third quarter of 2021. The lower rate of growth in our customer count above $100,000 is driven by operate. 
our 12 months trailing net dollar expansion rate came in at 111%, down from 142% last year. The drop in our net dollar expansion rate is driven by our operate business. Our third quarter net non-GAAP gross margin was 74%, down from 81% a year ago. The year-on-year gross margin decline is mainly due to the lower mix for monetization, which have a higher gross margin than the average, as well as the impact of weather as engineers supporting that business are charged to cost of goods sold. Non-GAAP operating expenses increased 16% versus last year's third quarter, and 4% sequential as our cost containment efforts continue to take hold. We expect to significantly over-deliver against our 100 million cost savings plan discussed at the end of the second quarter. We closed the quarter with 6,244 employees as compared to 6,246 employees at the end of the second quarter. Non-GAAP operating income for the third quarter was negative $37 million, or negative 12% of revenue. This compares to guide of negative $35 to $50 million. Cash flow from operations was negative $70 million, which includes an $18 million payment to a publisher that had not collected their payout for several years, and a $10 million M&A cash payment that is excluded from non-GAAP operating income. Unity had 301 million basic shares outstanding and 403 million fully diluted shares at the end of the third quarter. The difference in fully diluted shares compared to our Q2 guidance of 375 million is entirely driven to, uh, to the lower share price, which impacts the conversion of the comparable notes. Moving on to the fourth quarter, our guide includes Iron Source financial results as of Monday this week and our best estimate of the impact of the economic environment. For the fourth quarter, we expect revenue between 425 million to 445 million, an increase of 35 to 41% year on year. We expect full year revenue between 1,265 and 1,385 million dollars, an increase of 23 to 25% year on year. Let me break down the details. First, this is down approximately 60 million from the time adjusted prior guide for the combined companies. Second, within this, we expect we to continue to perform strongly. With regards to ads, we have taken a conservative view this quarter, given that we have not yet seen the seasonal rise in CPMs that typically happens during the holidays. We have reasons to be optimistic given our recent gains in mediation and the expectation that this can result in share gains. For the fourth quarter, we're getting non-GAAP operating income between $5 and $15 million. Implied full-year non-GAAP operating income is between negative $88 and $98 million. For perspective, we expect Unity to break even and be cash flow positive at the end of this year. We will build from that base in 2023. With the Iron Source merger, we issued approximately 113 million shares. In addition, we issued 1 billion of convertible notes with a 2% interest rate and a $48.89 conversion price. We expect to have 416 million basic shares outstanding and 562 million fully diluted shares at the end of Q4, which includes 46 million shares to convert a convertible note and 29 million shares to convert the pipe investments. We will provide full-year guidance for 2023 with Q4 earnings. Our guidance will factor in the very large opportunity in front of us, the synergies from the Iron Source merger, and the near-term impact of the potential economic recession. We remain committed to our 1 billion EBITDA runway goal by the end of 2024, and to deliver significant EBITDA and free cash flow progress in 2023. Near-term, we're cautious given the potential for recession, but we expect to expand market share in 2023 as long as the ads market sentiment remains one of recession, we expect to guide revenue growth lower than our sustainable growth target. To close, we believe that the real-time treaty opportunity is very large and we're very well positioned to capture it, given our strong capabilities in create and operate. In create, we enjoy a leading and growing market share position in gains. 
We have best-in-class artists to go to Uruguera, Sida, and Speedtree, and strong customer pool with over 750 leads generated through grants. We're making strong progress to scale our digital twin business with the launch of platforms that automate services such as presence, annotations, 3D data, identity, data workflows, and live stream data. And we're evolving our business models to be cloud-based and writable. And we're very optimistic on the creative business. Within Grow, ads remains a critical part of the game industry. The Iron Source merger strengthens our position within with the best mediation platform out there, Unity Level Play. The leading game publisher, Supersonic, three ad networks with Unity Ads, Iron Source, and Tabjoy, and the leading device management group partnered with Aura. We are optimistic about this business and our ability to build market share, yet can provide the market expectations. With that, let me turn the call over to Victor, who will coordinate the Q&A. Great. Uh, well, thanks very much, everyone. You all kind of know the, the, the plan. And uh, raise your virtual hands, and we'll uh, answer questions for the next 20, 25 minutes. Our questions or our answers are so good. I think there is a hand raised by Tim Nolan. You see it, Tim? Okay. Yes. There you go, Tim. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Okay. Um, well, a lot of information to digest. Um, could you maybe, um, I may have completely missed this, but um, could you give us some indication of iron source results for the quarter, uh, at least what, what the revenue growth was? Um, and then could you speak a bit more about the mediation platform and, and the market share gains and kind of a multi-part um, question here. Given the issues that you had earlier in the year, and you see the problems are behind you, um, were you indicating that you are already regaining market share from that, or are you saying you can gain market share now with the mediation platform that IronSource brings in? Thanks. Look, I'll take a little bit of that and ask Lou to add to it. Um, so first off, um, we didn't provide independent and separate IronSource results. Louis may want to speak to the why and explanation on that. Um, you know, secondly, um, you know, what we would say is from this point we're combined um, and um, on the network side, um, really, really strong growth on the create side. I think we, we just reported 54% growth in the third quarter and, um, you know, things have been going well all year for us with strong gains across the portfolio in gaming and in digital twins. And the recent launch of the digital twin platform adds ratable revenue. Um, in terms of the ad network side, um, you know, we are, we're, we're expect, our expectation, because um, now we do mix these things and work them together, but our expectation in Q4 uh, is to be slightly up in combined network year over year um, in a flat market, so it implies a little bit of market share gains. What we're seeing in the market is um, a very large number of customers are excited by the combination of Unity and Ironsworth and uh, coming our way. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, it's good. Yeah, Tim, just, uh, you know, we closed the transaction last, uh, you know, this Monday, so we're not reporting Q3 together as companies. We will, we guide it together for Q4, and we will report Q4 as a combined company. Okay, so no iron source standalone Q3 revenue number to share? That is correct, Tim. Okay, and I know you've only owned it for two days or three days or whatever it is now. Any, any, um, anything you can tell us now that you've actually got the cover off the off the new off the new merger now? Yeah, I tell you, I'm super excited, super super excited. I think that getting the two companies together is going to be super helpful for us, and and I'm very optimistic of the value we can create for our customers and our shareholders. Yeah, and just to build on that, I I'm super excited as well. Um, the management teams have come together super well. Um, positive energy, um, synergy really at the executive level and all the way through the organization. The second thing is just um, just a reminder how complementary the, the offering is. So our biggest gap was mediation. Uh, we now have a leading and I think best in class mediation solution uh, with level play. You know, secondly, you know, their their skill set and, and offering in 
products like uh, Supersonic on the publishing side, which leads to ad revenue growth, but also it's an independent business run with itself that is profitable. And then on top of that, you know, businesses that we don't spend a lot of time talking about, like Aura, which is a kind of strong position, good growth. And then Luna, uh, you know, some folks have a little bit of anxiety around Apple entering the ad space. Well, you know, Luna is one of the very few um, partners there, and it's an opportunity for, you know, that turns that into a of a threat and more of an opportunity to grow for us. Thanks a lot. Great. Uh, Jason. I just had a question for Luis. Um, you know, before everything slowed down in the mobile ad market, if I just looked at the consensus numbers for where the street was on Iron Source and for Unity and Add in the synergies, you know, the street wasn't at a billion dollars of EBITDA by 2024. And yet, if I heard you correctly, you're sort of standing by uh, that that sort of outlook for the year after next 2024. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, and just to be super clear, Jason, the one billion we saw a run rate at the end of 2024. It's not a forecast for the whole year. Okay. So we're saying at the end of the year we'll be at that rate. Okay. And we continue to believe that that's the right place to be for us. You know, we, we believe there is a significant revenue opportunity between the two companies as we talked back in July, and there is a significant cost opportunity, and we'll be driving them, and we'll create a lot of value, we believe. So, yes, we're standing by the $1 billion by the end of 2024. Leverage are really important, just to keep them in mind. Really rapid growth on Create. Um, we're confident in our business there. Um, you know, what we're seeing across pro art and um, digital twins and the gaming sector makes us feel really good. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in the prepared comments, our everywhere strategy, what we're getting um, with customers in a remote hybrid model is very strong as well. And then drivers on the on the network or the ad side are also really strong. We've got, we think we can gain share in virtually any market and um, we feel good about that combination. Um, the gap on our network, locking mediation is a big part of that. The data combination is a new combination that yields upside for us and our customers. So we feel quite good about the combination and don't see any reason to, to sort of block away now. Of course, we will be giving guidance in the early part of the year. We'll have a much better fix on the economy at that point, um, and we'll be ready to talk then. Okay. Super helpful. Thank you. Hey, uh, Clark Lampin. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yep. All right, wonderful. Um, so I. Uh oh. We lost him. We lost Clark. There we go. We'll probably pop back in, hopefully. We didn't quite get enough of a question, I think, to answer that one. Oh, there we are. Clark's back. Am I back now? You're back. You guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so, John, earlier in the call, you were talking about. Uh, the value for developers, you know, in a, in a tougher operating environment with an end-to-end -end platform. And I'm curious if you could give us a sense for, you know, although it's only been three days now, um, you know, the undertaking with integrating all of these sort of pieces together and bringing, you know, a solution for building pre-launch optimization and monetization together. Is that something that, you know, is really sort of Herculean and sort of bringing everything together? Or is this more you know, seeing about the opposite end of the spectrum, basically just a reskinning where you're bringing together everything in the dashboard and, and that can come to market pretty soon. The second question I have is on the pricing adjustment that was made this quarter. I know that, you know, sort of just started to take effect, but is it is it possible that you could give us a sense for how much that's contributing to create in the quarter? And bigger picture, you guys talked about the way that there are new features being bundled in you know, to, to help, I guess, sort of provide some value alongside that uptick in price. Should we expect that going forward, price hikes could become maybe a more ordinary course of business? Thanks a lot. So, Luis and I will take that 17-part question. <laughs> do our best to remember it as, as we go along. So, you know, first off, um, the combined synergies, if you will, from grow to create. Um, now, they, they, there's multiple layers to this, but think – sooner than later. It, the vision isn't long out there. It's, it's in front of us. We've been talking about a long time. Uh, the key part of what we investigated when we looked into the merger with Iron Source 
Um, it is an area where the coincidence of opinion between our create team and grow team is exceptionally high, and there's effort on that front. Um, the, the second thing is I gave you an example today of what we're doing just that uh, with the new Marvel, you know, top of the charge game, but is in fact doing just that across the Unity portfolio, not but not yet the Ironforce group portfolio, but they will. I also mentioned um, something as simple as a plugin. So we can do things like a plugin for um, our level play mediation into the editor. Um, when a customer is up and coming and they're trying to figure out you know, what tools and what SDKs, um, it may not be obvious to everybody in the investment community, but a creator makes a game, and then suddenly they're faced with what feels like a grocery aisle full of potential SDKs. What do they want to integrate? Um, one of the massive advantages to why we're doing well with UGS and multiplay and why we will, you know, this will help us do better, for example, with, you know, leading with mediation is a lot of the time these choices are made pre-launch. There isn't a commercial application. They're testing things. And they test on Unity more often than not, um, you know, when they're building on Unity. And of course, most of this takes place in mobile. And as we've indicated multiple times, we have north of a 70 share. So, you know, we'll be talking a lot about synergy. Um, I think it's easy to imagine that we did this to make up, the merger to make up for a gap in mediation. There is so much more to this. Um, when we talk to our board, literally all we talk about is the synergy across the ecosystem and exactly how we're going to realize it. We have a board meeting in December. We'll be hitting on that point again. We'll be sharing a lot more with you in the next call. Now, on that side of the business, um, now, do we still want to pick up some piece and I'll come back? Yeah. On the pricing question, uh, we're, we think that this is the right move, and we will, we have not seen any financial impact in Q3. As you may remember, we announced the pricing at the end of uh, Q2, and it would take a little bit of time until we ramp and we get new contracts into the new pricing. So you should expect really an impact in 2023, not in 2022. Now, on this, we had explained how for game developers, digital twin customers and others, um, enterprise customers, um, how we've refined our offering to better meet their needs. Essentially, what that really means is more enterprise-scale um, solutions for them and more cloud solutions for them, including the digital twin platform. Um, now, our customers like our SaaS model. Um, there was literally no resistance to the price increases. Uh, they felt the value was there. Um, but the, the mold from here, the pattern from here, is to save our customers money by um, connecting to them solutions that take out more costly approaches they have on their own, either through other third parties or, um, you know, developed on their own. Uh, the digital twin platform, for example, supports a number of things, you know, from hosting to a sort of data manipulation and, and calculation work, um, build processes, et cetera. These are all really expensive things unbundled, and we can bring them together and generate valuable revenue for Unity in the process while saving our customers both big headaches and big money. Yeah, Clark, and, and as you alluded to, we're going to be innovating for each of our customer groups differently so that they get more value and therefore we can charge, you know, a fair price so that they gain and we gain as well. So that's kind of what we're trying to do as John mentioned in his prepared remarks. Thanks a lot. Uh, anyone else? Next question? No. Brent. Uh, thank you. Uh, apologize for a little background noise in the airport here, but I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the freight business. I get the, the game's ad market's got a lot of controversy, uh, a lot of moving parts will continue to be probably controversial well into next year, but the create business crossed over a half a billion dollars for the first time this quarter on a run rate basis, triple digit growth in the uh, anywhere create segment, and then obviously it looks like over 30% organic growth. What's the durability of this great business kind of heading into a recession? What the pipeline opportunity looks like? Talk a little bit about the, the create potential, uh, you know, particularly going into a recession where it looks like things are really strong, but, but how durable is that strength? Thanks. I'll take the start of that, and, and Luis may want to add, but look, Brent, we have strong conviction that this is a multi-billion dollar opportunity, and it's probably not just a single-digit billion dollar opportunity. Second point is, 
while gaming is the majority of the business now, there are multiple sectors out there that look like they, they have the opportunity equal or possibly greater than gaming. So while we are gaming, you know, heart and soul, um, we love the application outside of gaming. One of the reasons we invested in pro art tools, one, one reason we invested in anywhere, was to capitalize on that. The third thing is, um, as much as I love a SaaS model, I love even more the Radable model. And we're solving some really important problems for our customers, both in gaming and in digital twins and across the spectrum of customer types. And, you know, my belief, frankly, is in, in the fullness of time, you know, two, three years out, that Radable revenues will probably exceed our SaaS revenues. Now, this requires execution. Um, we've got a great team on it. Uh, Mark Whitten, who you've met on prior calls, and you'll, you'll see him again on future calls, and can wax lyrically about all the things we're doing and doing well and how we're gaining. Um, but there's a lot of execution. But here's the point. I don't think anyone can deny today, well, you can laugh a little bit about the definition of the metaverse. Um, I do often um, in some of the things people say. Um, it, it, I don't know if I could roll my eyes fully Marty Feldman type, but I mean, they're on the back of my skull sometimes when I listen to what's said. Let's make it really simple. The next era of the internet is real time, it's 3D, it's very likely to going to be persistent, interactive, and social. To do that, you need to build it on a game engine or something like a game engine. We have the leading position there. We're gaining across the board. We are thrilled by the opportunity, and we'd love the synergy back to gaming. You know, what we gain when we work on technologies that support the auto industry with multi-billion poly models, that's really helpful for the game industry in future years when they get to models that are that big. And I can go on and on about how these things work, whether it's ray tracing or, you know, large-scale cloud compute. These will help across the board. One solution adapted modestly will work in both gaming and non-gaming and non-gaming situations. So I think it's really durable. I think it is really big. I love the momentum in the business. And um, I'm conscious of the fact that it's just a lot of execution, and we've been executing well, and, we, you know, the hope is and the plan is to continue to do that. Yeah, I'm not clear in my prepared remarks, but I also think that the, the investment in our platform in digital twins is a massive investment. And basically what it allows us to do is to build scale, because it requires less and less people to be able to build a digital twin business, which I think is going to enable us to grow a lot more faster in the future. Helpful, helpful. One quick follow-up, Luis, for you. Um, any sense around the combined cash and investment level you have now, post the pipe, post the notes, and and maybe your appetite to uh, uh, to do the buyback here? How how aggressive is your governor's your limitations? Just trying to understand the the scope of your cash and investor position, and then the appetite to buy back. Yeah, I mean, as we talked before, you know, the board has approved a $2.5 billion buyback program, and we'll be executing, it, uh, you know, when we think it's appropriate, right? So, But we have all the authorizations to do that, Brent. Okay, thank you. Thanks very much. Um, Bill and uh, Becker, are you on? There we go. There, there we go. Hey, can you hear me right? Yep. Um, cool. Um, hey, maybe starting with John, you had a comment around um, the the elevated still engagement uh, and, and download trends you're thinking or you're seeing and, and hearing. I guess maybe how you think about this speaking to the importance of the monetization piece within the mobile ecosystem, and, and maybe your as long term confidence in, in that return in ads and um, once that that broader sentiment shifts. Sure. So. You know, first off, I think it's probably worthwhile to dispel a couple of myths that are out there. Um, you know, one of them is, you know, that mobile gaming is down. Um, engagement is up, and I've been paying attention, and I believe all five of the top five largest um, mobile game publishers reported on average 4% growth in the third quarter, revenue growth, against their in-app purchase business. And, of course, the ad business, you know, most believe is outperforming that. So, I don't know. There's, there's something about the dog ate my lunch in a world where the recession's on the front page of the newspaper every day, and you hear a lot about that. But I think the underlying facts support um, this thesis, and it's a pretty clear one. Yes, we are indexing over um, a period of elevated consumption with COVID that lasted a couple of years. 
there is no question that we're holding up better than I would have thought against um, an incredibly challenging comp. And if you look at any sort of three-year time frame, um, I think it's really, really evident that we've gotten more than three years of growth in that time frame. So you know, gaming is a very healthy business. I asked about ROAS. Um, there is, um, on a relative basis, it appears that it's suffering a little bit more than ads on a relative basis. Um, and that process is a major part of uh, the ROAS model in terms of um, in terms of what what actually makes the numbers you know work the way you want them to on user acquisition. And um, advertisers are generally more cautious than they have been, um, focused more on uh, near-term returns and long-term returns. Um, a year ago, it was very easy for uh, a publisher or creator to say to themselves. Um, yeah, I've got a nine-month or a 12-month payback, and it's the second half of the year, but I'm going to invest and spend for the long term because the market's rewarding that. Um, the market doesn't seem to be rewarding that quite the same way they did when the next year is the return and this year is the spend. And so um, the aggregate commitments have come down on relative commitments um, versus where they were, and that's reflected itself, as we mentioned in the third comment, on ECPMs. I mean, basically, ECPMs are driven by competition for um, you know, an opportunity to see. It's a pretty straight bit of um, pressure-driven math. So we've got this near-term challenge, um, and I don't know how long it's going to last, where sentiment um, is spooked, and spends are um, coming under pressure. We expect the fourth quarter to be flat. Um, we haven't assumed in our own forecast ECPM recovery. Um, ECPM is rising in you know, Thanksgiving timeframe to Christmas. is almost as consistent as the sun comes up in the morning. Um, but you know, there's a number of reasons why we're cautious right now, given the sentiment of what we're hearing from customers. So on balance, if you look at the unity portfolio against this, we've got more data. We have strength of mediation. We think we're picking up a bit of share. Um, we think that there's a temporary lull. Um, I don't know how long that lasts. Um, is it Q4 and bounces in Q1? I wouldn't bet on that. Um, but sometime in 2023, we expect some level of recovery. But right now, one of the things I think that Luis and I are trying to do that I think is very smart is model our expenses on no recovery. So when we do see a recovery, um, we should see even better revenue and exceptional bottom line performance. Yeah, that's super helpful. And maybe one more if I could. Uh, as you talked about kind of some of the ongoing complexity across the, the end uh, customer base here, obviously dealing with, with macro, data, live services, um, how are these companies thinking about positioning Unity as that business enabler to address those challenges and headwinds? Uh, how should we think about the, the puts and takes there from a macro perspective from, from, from their view, as well as the increased reliance and maybe what some of that self-service capability and functionality you guys have called out? Um, can mean for, for incremental cross-selling adoption there. Thanks. So, so Dylan, are you thinking more about non-game customers or game customers with your question? Uh, within both, right? Ease of, ease of platform adoption, um, maybe more so from the self-service channel. Okay, so, I mean, the big shift um, on the gaming side um, is getting to self-serve on matchmaking and setting up multiplayer gaming. Um, that is a really hard thing to do for a developer. Um, I can remember when games went um, from the PC and console side to multiplayer and single-player campaigns were de-emphasized. Um, a lot of companies in the games industry, you know, back then, this was the sort of the late 90s, um, they went out of business. It was just too complex. And if they couldn't pull it off, um, they had their lunch eaten by their competition because what was happening is we were seeing 200, 300, 400% increase in engagement against games that had ongoing content and multiplayer PvP experiences. Um, that is not lost on mobile players today. So the people competing in the mobile marketplace largely, you know, produce single-player games or synchronous single-player games where you kind of play against the score produced for another player. That gets better engagement than a straight-up single-player game, but it's not as much engagement as a multiplayer game. And consider engagement is, um, is, is essentially a proxy for revenue. And so more engagement, more revenue. So um, we really hit something big, I think, with UGS by making these services, these products self-serve. As recently as, I don't know, six months ago, 
even with a lot of our support, it was a multi-month process. It just wasn't something most people could get to. Now, it's, it's not quite push a button, but it is a simple process. And I think anybody that is trying to serve their customer well, give their customer the experience they want, and reap the benefits of delivering what that customer wants in terms of their own business is going to move onto this platform. I expect multiplayer gaming to be a bigger story um, in years to come. Now, remember, it takes six, nine, 12 months to, to, to get to, you know, shift your emphasis from single player to multiplayer, but it's now starting to happen. You know, outside of gaming, um, I interact with a lot of customers face-to-face and, you know, auto companies and fashion companies and, you know, people in architecture, engineering, construction, et cetera. And, you know, what was what was really sort of the truth maybe three, four, and five years ago is it was experimental. They were setting something up because um, they were curious. Um, they felt like it might be the future. But, you know, in a fair amount of the time, what you'd see, and they saw it on one project, would pivot two or three different ways, as experimental projects do in large organizations. Um, increasingly, we are seeing um, a focus on the same things that are getting repeated over and over again, or areas where customers are aggregating a really strong desire, almost a FOMO sense, that if they don't get there, they're going to get beat by their customers. So within the fashion industry, in the high-end fashion industry, for example, like Disney Triumph, um, with the um, you know cities and airports, it's a straight-up digital twin, manufacturing large buildings, um, with architecture's visualization. And so, you know, these are big compute projects, which is one of the reasons we like our digital twin platform. Um, you know, we built the platform because it solves a real need. It does for these users what um, multiplayer, you know, self-serve does to the game developers. It gives them what they need and what they want without an alphabet soup and a lot of confusion. They just plug in and it works. Now, you know, we're, we're in the process of closed testing that with a handful of customers, but I believe that will actually be the lion's share of our revenue in years to come because, frankly, there's a lot more business in compute and transport of data uniquely married to the Unity tools for, you know, rendering and animation and lighting than there is in the tools of just pay by the seat to make it. So we're excited about that part of our business. So. Um, obviously, gaming is at a different stage than the digital twin marketplace, but the digital twin marketplace is moving pretty quick. And there's literally um, a name brand company on our board boardroom, right from the table I sit on. And literally every day I come into the office, I end up tripping across um, the kinds of people that you would think is, you know, owning some of the world's most important brands and companies. Stephen Jew, are you around? Yeah, there we go. Ah, there we go. Sorry. All right. There's, there we go. All right. So for the almost the entirety of this call, um, I think we've been talking about the ads and from the game sector, but there is a wider group of advertisers Unity can be talking to. So you know, is there a way to characterize what percentage of your ad dollars is coming from, say, the non-gaming companies? And, you know, what you may need to do to onboard, say, the large CPG or other performance-oriented advertisers to become large customers on your platform? So. So, Stephen, that's a really great question. And it's still a, a small minority of our business is non-performance-based advertising. You're speaking to brand advertising. And, you know, one of the major priorities for us as we look forward to the combined resources of the two companies is to get behind in a more, you know, fulsome way, um, you know, pure brand advertising in the context of gaming. Um, you know, the, you know, we, we typically track just within Unity well north of 3 billion MAUs a month. There is no larger audience that can be realized through paid media. And we know these are very engaged consumers. So, you know, you, you, we we talk about brand advertising. They're definitely in there. They're coming in through various DSPs. Um, but I think for this sector, we need to do more work on um, the types of ad units that I think will attract that audience. And because it's been so strong in performance ads to game companies, it's 
you know, they win the eCPM contest, they win the bid because the install is so valuable. Um, and it's not that people haven't tried, but I think that's true across the board in gaming, is it, it's been game-centric, but I see a lot of opportunity outside of that. Um, we're working on innovation on that front. But think of it as single digits. Thank you. Uh, Matt Post, are you are you on? There we go. Oh, Matt, Matt is off. Okay. Any other follow-up questions? Gal, there you go. Gal Munda, there you go. Hey, can you hear me? Yep, we got you. Thanks. Um, just wanted to follow up on the digital twin. Um, you know, what is the timeline in coming out out of the uh, you know alpha to beta test potentially, and like figuring out what what the different industries look like? Which industries could be first when you real uh, for real uh, do the GA? And then maybe just from a monetization perspective, uh, how are you thinking about digital twin uh, and the ability to um, to monetize that uh, in light of you know all the business models you have today? So um, on the last call, we had, and we don't we don't update the statistics every quarter. We have like 40 reporting segments, but um, if we did, um, but now and then we will continue to update. Uh, we pointed out that the the digital twin side of our business across professional services and license revenue was 40% of it. It's obviously been growing really rapidly to get to that number. Um, at the time of the IPO um, in, you know, not that long ago, a little over a year, uh, almost two years ago, uh, we um, said 50% within five years. We're, we're moving ahead of that schedule. Um, and so the second point is uh, there's a process of um, the digital twin platform of first bringing it sort of private data and then broader availability before there's general availability. Um, and so that'll take place, all of that will take place in 2023, probably, I guess, roughly the first half of next year um, before that's fully complete. Um, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll update that um, on the next call so everyone has it. And then lastly, um, I tell you that um, it's a general purpose platform. And, and it's for basically for doing compute and moving data. Um, the hard things that um, and, uh, and allowing people to interact with one another. So it's not necessarily captive to a specific industry, but I would give you back the same industry sectors I said we're seeing current traction and are likely to be the first users. So um, visualization, um, simulation around cities and such, um, fashion um, is something that I think is going to you know, need to do this because they're going to have to do um, some really complex 3D compositing to make those images work. Um, and architecture, engineering, construction, um, you know, manufacturing lines, um, that's where this applies. And these are the same verticals that we're, we're seeing show up in our pipeline now. Good. Great. Good. You had another question, Gail? Uh, just a, yeah, I, I had another one, if that's okay. Uh, just on the core operates, John, you mentioned, you know, you, you backed yourself to kind of go out there and win share again. Um, how much of that is because of the tie-up now with iron source and just thinking, you know, this machine is, is very, very powerful versus how much is it just thinking about the core, let's call it your heritage operate business uh, on its own, even if you didn't have iron source going out there today and, 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 and grabbing some of that share back? Um, look, I'm, I'm not sure I quite got all that question. It's a little garbled on my end, but um, iron source is a definite strengthening of our portfolio. And it adds a great deal to us with a wonderful team led by Tomer. Um, you know, planning that in with a great team from Ingrid, you know, puts us in a much better spot. So Iron Source is additive to us at, at literally every level, not just on what you thought of as operator, just what you thought of as um, what we now call grow. Uh, it also uh, has tools that can integrate deeply into the editor. It can help us realize that vision we've talked about from the first time we announced the deal with Iron Source, which is helping people build more performant games and applications. So um, they, it, it'll be, it'll help them make a better product. And if it helps them make a better product, then the rest of our services will get much substantially increased uptake 
Um, people don't advertise products that people don't have that don't have high engagement, as an example. Um, but they also don't, you know, rent multiplayer servers for products that don't have high engagement because there's not enough enough of the user base there. So there's a uh, obviously self um, interest in helping our customers be successful because when they are, they use our services more. Mikhail, that question will be even more difficult to answer going forward because we plan on integrating the two businesses, right? And that's where we see a lot of value. So it's uh, just... I guess that was my question, right? How much does the uh, tie-up kind of strengthen yeah. the ability to go into the win? We see a lot of value in getting together, as we said. So, yeah, I mean, a, a good point. Let me just give one example. Um, the data from level play supports both networks now. The data from both networks supports level play now. Mm-hmm. And we're consolidating those teams. Um, it would, it would be, I know it sounds like, I know people would love to see independent reporting, but it's almost farcical to do that, given the degree of integration and the benefit we see from the data integration is just one singular example. What drove the number? Wanna win, gal. We want to win in this market, and that's what we're going to do. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you all very much. We really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to seeing you at either various conferences or over the coming uh, coming months and years. But we appreciate your interest and support. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Paul.